welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, featuring your host, Angela Harders. We're committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. Together, we believe that the world is our biggest and best classroom, and the people and places in it are our greatest teachers. So I invite you to join me on the adventure of a lifetime, beginning with a conversation that can change the world. Hello, and welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, where we are committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. My name is Angela Harders, and I am a special education teacher, the author of Gospel-Based Parenting and the Crunchy Kids series, and a proud world schooling mother to two incredible children, Sophia, who's seven, and Benjamin, who is three. Today on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, I have the privilege and honor of introducing you to Amy Serka. Thank you so much for joining us today as we have a conversation that can change the world. Thank you for being here, Amy. Absolutely. I'm so glad to be here. And to get us started, would you mind just sharing a little bit about you, your family, and your story? Yeah, definitely. So um, I'm a mama to three. We do homeschool. Mine are nine, so fourth grade, William, uh, five. Wyatt, so he's in preschool this year, and then Brooklyn, who's now four, and we call her our honorary preschooler because she's the total redhead, not going to be left out at all, has to be involved. Um, so married to my best friend, um, he's a truck driver, which kind of brings an interesting like dynamic into my story, but he's home now every night, which is great. Um, and then I am a financial coach. I run my own business from home, and um, I guess a little about my stories. I was a really young single mom. Uh, William was born a couple days before my 19th birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really just me. I had worked my way up in like fast food management, but that wasn't going to work anymore. Being like a single mom, I had to work when my son was in daycare. So, um, set out to find something else, ended up in insurance, had a really, really great boss. Well, the second company. I had a really great boss, but it was all part of the journey um, that I was able to be there for like the big moments. And like, it was never a problem to get off for holiday parties because he was in daycare at the time. But like my dream was always to be there for the everyday moments and like be there. I had a really strong example growing up of my mom. And even when my parents were divorced, my mom was always there for us. And she always kept her promises. Like when she promised that like, okay, this was going to happen. And I was going to be able to graduate from the same high school. I wasn't going to have to move high schools. Actually, it was my dad that said that, but when things changed and he didn't stick with that, my mom held the line and was there for me and was really a huge uh, role model support. And that was definitely something what I wanted to do. And it really like sparked the interest. It was like, I've got to figure something out. Like, this is great that I'm able to be there for the holidays, but I want to be there for the everyday moments. Mm. And, um, long story short, short, it's a very long entrepreneur journey. Um, but, uh, within, um, let's say about six months of my husband and I getting married, um, I was pregnant with our second and we made the decision like, okay, we've 
done this, was able to be home with my son, um, didn't realize how important that was going to be because when my second son was born, um, he was a full-term baby, but had to be in the NICU for seven and a half weeks. Um, he had something called esophageal atresia with a TEF fistula. So what that means is his esophagus wasn't connected to his stomach. Um, my gosh. Yeah. First surgery at less than 48 hours old. I was there with him the whole time. Um, when he was in the NICU, um, William was in preschool at the time. So that wasn't a, an issue there, but like I was able to be there because we had done the things that we needed to. And I had already prioritized being there for the little moments. And mm-hmm. so it was just like a no brainer for me. Like I want to be there for my kids. Um, there was a lot of things that I didn't really like about the public school system. So we homeschooled from the beginning. Oh my goodness, Amy. I know that's just a very, very small <laughs> piece of your story, but I'm just, I'm first of all, just blown away. Um, I don't, I don't even know if you realize we have a lot in common. Um, so I'm also a single mom and, um, my parents run an insurance agency. So I've been around the insurance world for a really, really, really long time. Um, and not only that, but my son was also born at 29 weeks. So he spent two months in the NICU. So I can relate to you on the NICU journey as well. Um, and just, your heart to be there for the little moments, as you said, like I can so, so relate to that. And I can remember feeling as a little, as a single mom, like there's no way that I, as a single mom, am going to be able to be there for those little moments. Um, but I, I definitely think that having that kind of background with my parents and finances really helped me to be able to plan and make kind of those adjustments in my life so that I am able as a single mom to be able to homeschool and be there for my kids. And I am really excited to hear about your journey into how you made that possible. Um, so I want to talk about, you know, the homeschooling. I want to talk about finances. I want to talk about all these different things, but um, can you, can you share just a little bit? I know you said that there were some things that you don't like about the public school. I'm actually a public school teacher leaving the public school system. <laughs> Um, in part, because there are a lot of things that I also don't like about the public school. And I would love to hear what were some of those things that you felt like just didn't align with you about the public school that contributed to your journey and your decision to homeschool. Yeah. So there is a lot. Public school can be great. And I always try and preface that it's not just about bashing public school because it definitely is needed for some, but it wasn't for us. And there is a lot of babysitting for lack of a better word that happens now because like the kids are there for so long and there's so many kids in the classroom and so much filler work Mm -hmm. that part wasn't needed and also like being able to teach to the different um learning styles I mean we are crazy about dinosaurs right now so he's doing a paleontology course this year as a fourth grader and like that would not be happening if he was in public school. Um, so like the time freedom, the curriculum freedom, and also like what they're actually learning, like we're charged with guarding their hearts. And there's a lot of things that have been become like socially acceptable that I don't really need my fourth grader to be learning right now and being able to protect them and teaching, um, believe in creation science. So being able to teach the creation science as well as the evolution theory and being able to teach both. Mm. That's wonderful. And I, I totally agree with you about, um, you know, like the, the freedom aspect of it, of 
you know, having freedom and not wasting a lot of time. And I definitely see that in the classroom. Like we waste so much time that it, it just shatters my heart when I look at these kids and I'm just thinking, I'm like, wow, this is such a waste of their time. And when we waste our time, we waste our life, you know, and what an awesome opportunity I mean, to be in fourth grade, taking a paleontology course, pursuing his passion, doing what he loves, being happy, fulfilled, and with the person that loves him the most in this world. I mean, it sounds like it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Um, and so I, I like that you're kind of picking these things that are into your child's interests. Um, how would you describe what your homeschool style is? I know I've talked before about how there are different types of homeschool styles. Um, do you have a particular style that you resonate with? We are pretty eclectic. Um, if we had to lean one way, probably Charlotte Mason. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely kind of seem to pick and choose from different areas. Yeah. So for my listeners that aren't familiar with those terms, can you explain a little bit more what you mean by when you say eclectic or Charlotte Mason, what does that look like for you? Um, Eclectic just kind of means we pick and choose and pull from different areas. It's very like a customized approach. Um, And Charlotte Mason focuses a lot on lifestyle learning. Um, My kids know I will turn anything into a lesson. So just (laughs) be aware. We'll have a conversation. We're out somewhere, and like I just give them this look, and they know we're having a conversation about this later, and like what this actually means. Um, and for me, it's really about being transparent, um, not like saying, "Okay, you're you're too young for that. You don't understand." And we're mm-hmm. like just including them in the conversation. And I really we transfer that into the finances as well, like them being evol- involved in like learning the information. Yeah, the fifth the five-year-old's not going to pick up as much necessarily as the ni- the nine-year-old, but like they still pick up information and we mm-hmm. still have stuff. And I'm like, okay, we're going to table that. Like, I'm not ready to have that conversation with you yet, but just really being open and having those conversations and learning through life. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like we should always be learning, like creating a lifestyle of learning. Absolutely. I totally agree with um, life learning and our, my personal family, our style is um, more unschooling, but I don't like that term. That's why I came up with the term peaceful world schooling and peaceful world schoolers. Cause I feel like that communicated more of what we stand for of that idea. Exactly what you mentioned of all of life is learning. There's something to learn from everything and everyone that happens in this world. It's not just limited to, you know, what we do in this worksheet or in this textbook or whatever, um, or in this curriculum, even, you know, being able to kind of think and learn outside of those boxes that we try to, you know, fit ourselves and our children into. Um, So that's awesome. And thank you so much for sharing that about you know, just having that perspective that we really can view all of life as learning. And you mentioned something that was really powerful too, about that you invite your children to be a part of the conversation that you're having. Um, and in particular in regards to finances, I'm wondering, like, what does that look like for you guys? I mean, how do you have discussions about finances that would include your children? Like, do they do chores? Do they have responsibilities that they're paid for? Like, how do you teach your children about finances? Yeah. So we don't pay for any chores. Um, we talk about that as part of their contribution to the household. Mm-hmm. Um, we all have different ways that we're contributing and that's how we expect them to contribute. If they're not listening, I might pay them to read at one point, but I'm not ready for that yet. Cause I know that he would start reading like just on the next level because he loves to read. Uh-huh. Um, but really it's about like a lot of what I teach as a financial coach, like the core 
like, yes, we can get into the nitty gritty and like how the numbers actually work, but really it's about the mindset and how we approach money. So really working to establish a healthy relationship with money and talking about like what the purpose of money is. And he is very mindful, my oldest, about, um, what is going on? And like, when we're at the grocery store, I do a lot of grocery pickup, but if we go in the grocery store, he's always watching the total and he's like, wow, 200 and whatever. It's (laughs) it's always expensive now. Right. But like being aware of what those things cost and the, what something is worth and the cost are two different things and really being mindful of, okay, like this is what we're spending this on, or we're making an intentional choice. We do a lot of um, experiences for us when like for gifts and things like that. And that's, we'd rather uh, work on creating memories than just getting a bunch of toys and stuff. So we'll talk about like, okay, no, we're not doing this, but the reason we're not doing this is because this is what's a priority for us and really working on the language that we're using, mm-hmm. um, because e- like as adults or really as people in general, our money mindset is formed by the age of nine. So mm-hmm. all the things that our parents told us growing up about money, like that creates such a huge impact. And when we learn and we're talking to them in a way that is empowering, it's going to make all the more difference for them long-term. Wow. I mean, that's, that's incredible. And I'm, I just, I feel like I have so many questions in my head right now that I want to ask you about as like follow-up to that. Um, I really like that you made the distinction between what's talking about what something is worth versus what something costs. Can you expound a little bit more about what that means to you? Like, how do you make that distinction or how do you, I guess, even explain that to a child of like figuring out what something is worth versus what it costs? Yeah. So we talk about our worth. We talk about what it, its value to us. So, um, for example, we were talking about something earlier. What were we talking about? Oh, a Bible. <laughs> he wants to get a new Bible for Christmas. And, um, we were talking about like what he liked. Um, cause the one that he likes now has been loved to pieces. He actually inherited it. It was my younger brother's Bible for a while. Aww. So, it's been loved on. So I was like, okay, when we get a new one, like, what would you rather have? And we were talking about like the features that he would want, since this is something that's going to be more valuable to us. And we're going to be using it on a regular basis. Like we're fine with spending more to like, take care of that, to get the thing that we want there. There's also like some delayed gratification there um, as well, like waiting to be able to get the thing that we want. Um, we talked about this when we were getting a new car for myself. So quick lesson, when you're buying a new car, because you need to have room for more car seats, test the car seat. Don't just assume it's going to fit because <laughs> we bought the car, assuming that, you know, car seat would fit in it fine. Like two car seats, right? Yeah, no, uh-huh. it didn't really fit fine. <laughs> oh no. Would you mind sharing what brand of car that was just in case someone's considering it? It's a Dodge journey. I didn't, I do not, do not at all recommend Dodge journeys. Okay. Good to know. So if you need to have fit two car seats comfortably, the Dodge journey is not the one for you. No, not (laughs) unless like you've got like, I don't know, really, really short people up front. So I always had to drive because I have shorter legs. I sit closer to the wheel. I don't really Uh know why, but like it was always cramped, but to be able to buy the vehicle that we wanted, we were waiting to be able to be in a spot that we wanted to. 
Mm-hmm. And also lost value really quickly, even though like we always buy used, lost value really quickly. So we ended up upside down in it, all these other things. So the vehicle that I wanted was a Ford Expedition. I grew up like my mom drove a Ford Expedition. I learned how to drive on Ford Expedition. Like, <laughs> so I love Ford Expeditions. So in the process of waiting to be able to get the one I want, because I wanted captain chairs, which is where there's like the two bucket seats in the middle row, kind of like the van does so that people can get in the back. But I'm I'm not a van person. I know it's great for somebody, but I'm not going to drive a van. (laughs) So waiting, um, like in the Dodge journey, when William was sitting in the back, like we had to pop the hatch and he would have to climb in through the trunk. Like it was this crazy thing like that we made work because we had all three kids while we were working towards getting the expedition it was also really small in the third row so we talked about like okay we're not doing this because we want to get the vehicle that we actually want which of course um probably about 18 months or so ago we got the car so I have my Ford Expedition now and we absolutely love it, but waiting, (laughs) thanks, but waiting to get the thing that we want waiting until we could afford to get the thing that we want instead of just settling for the right now um, yeah. and the cheaper option, which isn't always necessarily the cheaper option because we end up spending more long-term. Wow. And I speaking about cars too, do you recommend like saving until you can pay for a car um, in cash or how do you feel about like financing big purchases like a car? Um, appreciating purchases like a car. Yeah, I think- Ideally, it's fantastic to play cash for a car, but for most of us starting out, that is not realistic. And I'm all about making smart choices long-term with your finances, instead of going into like kind of a crash course to try and correct everything at once. Mm -hmm. Um, What we find is it's a lot like a diet and we end up yo-yoing. So you make a lot of progress and then we like go backwards and spend way more and end up in a worse situation. So Total transparency, that's all about it. Our expedition is finance currently. But if you're going to finance, um, be smart with the payments. Um, You don't necessarily need like all the bells and whistles um, and be working to pay it off, of course, and don't buy new because you lose so much depreciation straight off the lot. Um, I know they're giving people like heck of a deals right now, but I really, I still wouldn't do it just because we're, again, thinking long-term, trying to make those smart decisions with what we have. So Mm -hmm. if you have to finance, finance, just be smart, intentional about it. If you can pay cash, fantastic. Pay cash. Great advice, Amy. Thank you. Um, And I wanted to actually go back to something else too, that you said, you mentioned about thinking long-term and, you know, valuing things that have value in the long-term. And one of the things that you mentioned about in particular with your kids is that you try to give experiences instead of things. And that is something that my family and I have also really tried hard to do over the years. It's something I was really convicted about just this excessiveness of stuff that I feel like we have in, especially in American culture. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if you, have you traveled overseas at all or? Um, In the Caribbean area, but that's about it. Okay. Yeah. So I spent a lot of um, my time growing up in like third world countries and stuff. And so just kind of seeing like the way that the majority of the world lives, you know, in, in poverty and um, not having access to all these things that we do. 
um, coming back and then seeing just this ridiculous abundance that we have and a lot of the wastefulness that goes along with that too um, really made me want to kind of have that same idea with my kids of like I want to be able to think long term about the things that they're going to value long term and it's true you know when people look back on their lives they're not valuing like this toy that they got for Christmas or this you know I don't know, new gadget they got for a birthday or whatever. Like when we look back on our lives, we really do. We value those experiences and those memories that we make with the people that we love. And um, so I'm wondering if you could share some of your favorite experiences that you guys have given, um, either that you've given to your family or to other families um, to help kind of inspire my listeners to think of some ideas that they could give um, as a gift instead of, as we're preparing for Christmas, (laughs) that we can think about preparing, you know, to give experiences and give memories rather than giving more things. Funny that you should ask this because I was literally just preparing my training for next month for my paid membership. And we made a list of this and I've got a free gift with 45 different ideas. I call it the birthday experience manual, but it works for any holiday. So we can share that link to everybody as well. But Um, it doesn't have to be complex even like, because a lot of times when we think about experiences, it's got to be this grand week long vacation to (laughs) the beach or something, which, you know, the love, um, we've done that before the time between when you're giving it to them and when you're actually going though, depending on the age that can be challenging because we ran into that. Like this was the gift, but like, okay, they kept wanting it to happen. Like tomorrow wasn't happening. Um, but we've done camping trips. We just got back from a camping trip two weekends ago. Um, different like just zoo passes or even a trip to the zoo aquarium we have a local which i know is more common in the northeast but like trains a lot of people don't ride trains and subways in our area so we have like a train line that runs from fort worth to dallas because i'm in the Mm -hmm. fort worth area in texas so we've done like day trips and like just got on one end and rode to the other and found something to do and then came back and they totally thought it was amazing because we never get to go on a train um let's see we've done like day passes to museum if you can do season passes that's great but even like just a one-time thing like they they enjoy that too so uh, museums different types of um as homeschoolers we all have the facebook groups that you can go in and be like okay what do i need to go check out so there's a bat cave or it's not like a bat cave that you go in but in austin and Uh, it's probably three hours south of us or so you can see like all the bats fly out from underneath this bridge at dusk and that would be something that they would love to do Uh so it doesn't have to be really like crazy complex but really like the the zoos and the aquariums and the local museums and those different activities that we don't necessarily make time for on the everyday basis are great um we really love camping, getting outside away from electronics um, and all those things. We had to convince them that they couldn't take their iPads with, but like simple stuff like that makes such a big difference and such a big impact. We've also done, Mike um, William, my oldest was into Wildcrats for several years. I guess they're also into Wildcrats, but they did a live show that came through and we gave that as a gift one year. I think those are probably the main ones. We typically do some sort of trip like that. Okay. Awesome. Those are great ideas. Um, thank you for sharing some of those ideas. And I'm excited yeah. to, to share that link to of 45 more ideas that 
people can um, use to be able to give these experiences and memories rather than things. Um, I think one of some of the things that we've really enjoyed just as far as giving experiences um, to one of our friends, we actually gave them like a, a like a zip line course thing that was close by us. Um, and so it was really nice because it was like, it was a gift for, for her, but like my, you know, my daughter was able to go with her. So it wasn't just the thing itself. It was like, they were able to spend time together doing this new thing that neither of them had done before, you know, zip lining and, um, doing this ropes course in the forest. And that was like something that they really enjoyed a lot. And it was like, I could have spent that exact same amount of money on this brand new toy that would be like in the trash or in the donation bin, you know, like a year later or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's things like that, you know, like are, are really great. As you mentioned, just to kind of get us out of the routine of what we would normally do. Um, I think one year too, um, a friend gave us, um, gave my daughter like a, a horseback riding lesson, you know, just like one lesson. And so that was another thing that was really cool. Like that she was able to, you know, have this one lesson and she could ride the horse and see how she liked it. And, um, that is a very expensive sport, by the way. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's a very expensive sport, but I'm so thankful that she was able to have that opportunity, like, you know, for her birthday to be able to go and have this incredible experience. And she still talks about it to this day. Um, so awesome. things like that are, are wonderful, wonderful things that you can, um, you know, give. So, it, you know, as, as Amy mentioned, it doesn't have to be this big elaborate, you know, vacation or something like that. It literally can be like an hour long horseback riding lesson, or, you know, as she mentioned something free, like going and seeing these bats, you know, come out from under this bridge or whatever. So it doesn't have to be something necessarily that you're spending a lot of money on, um, or, you know, spending a week long time on, um, they can be, you know, smaller, they can even be free. So yeah, definitely look for opportunities to create those memories with your children rather than, um, feeding into that, like materialism that we have in our culture today. Definitely. Yeah. And, um, so I'm, I know that for a lot of people that are considering homeschooling, one of the big things that is of course a barrier for them is finances. Um, I know for me personally, that was my biggest one. Cause I was like, you know, I'm a single mom. How the heck am I going to homeschool if I have to work 40 hours a week, you know? Um, and you know, you also have to work. Um, I live in an area, I live right outside of Washington, DC. So most of the people here, um, they need, you know, all the families shared mostly are two income families. Like they don't have that luxury of being able to have only one person working, or in my case, like being a single parent that they don't have someone else to depend on for finances. Uh, how can someone who is wanting to homeschool, but sees finances as a barrier, how can they approach that and make homeschooling possible when for them finances are, are such a difficult, um, I guess, struggle. Um, and I, Starting off, I want, I want to say that I totally understand the struggle. It, we didn't even like touch on the fact. So my son started kindergarten, you know, uh, one month into that, I had to call 911 when I went to pick up my husband from work because he was unconscious. Basically they called it semi-conscious and he ended up that he was in the hospital for 20 days 15 of those was in the ICU and he was out of work for three months. So we were completely without income. Then I was not bringing in, in income from my business at the time. And thankfully, uh, some 
adjustments with the thought processes around kindergarten because we had to let some of that go and really have more of the unschooling year for kindergarten, which I think we can totally do. But there was a lot of mindset work that we had to do like Mm -hmm. beyond that. But I want to like preface all that and say like we've gone from food stamps and WIC and SSI, which is a form of social security disability. Like we have been in the place where it's tough and like I get the struggle that we have with finances. But the first thing I really want you to do if you're struggling like this is ask yourself how. By asking yourself, like, how can I make this happen? You're looking for the solution. Hmm. And if you're anything like me, you're saying, okay, what the heck, Amy? Like, this doesn't act, this is not possible. I can't do this. Um, because that's exactly what I would have told myself. But we have to believe in the possibility. There are so many people out there that do um, the homeschooling work that are working full time. Yes, I do work from home, but I am able, I keep a modified schedule. Um, but I was a little stressed when we were starting the school year because Wyatt is officially starting pre-K. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like William has gotten to the point, like we're more, some of it's more like independent work. He doesn't need me the full time, but I'm going to add this other kid and we're doing this like I don't know how I'm gonna have time to do schooling and my husband is amazing we just gotta like shout that out for a minute but he was like okay so like why can't we finish this and at home in the evenings like it doesn't just because we homeschool it doesn't have to fit into like this rigid thing that's part of the beauty of homeschooling so letting go of our preconceived notions that like this is how it has to fit into things Mm -hmm. and um if you're in the homeschooling groups on Facebook they are fantastic but they will talk about a lot of curriculum and a lot of like things that some people do spend a lot of money on and sometimes it's not even that they're spending a lot of money that's just what they make a priority Mm -hmm. but you can homeschool for there's a lot of free curriculums out there that you can use if money's really tight I would start there um public library I don't know what ours is like, honestly. I have not tried to go back like since everything shut down, but actually that's not true. We've done, we've done remote pickups, but it's a lot harder to find a lot of books when you're looking on the computer because you have to know what you're looking for. But you can do a lot through the public library. There's a lot of free resources out there to be able to successfully homeschool. And there's nothing wrong with using them because they're still decent resources. They're still good curriculum. And like we've talked about, there's so much that they can learn through like life. And if you're cooking in the kitchen, they can be working on fractions and math. That was how we finally got fractions to click was (laughs) math in the measuring cup when we were cooking in the kitchen. But like, there's hope out there and really just asking yourself, like, what is the solution is a really big portion of that. I think being on top of your finances and being open to other possibilities is going to be a big thing as well, because a lot of times we'll feel like we're doing everything we can, but we say, one of the things that I say all the time is you don't know what you don't know, because Mm -hmm. like, you don't know what you might be missing. That would be that missing piece. Um, there's another part of that is like some of what you know, isn't so, so like we've learned some wrong things, which I can attest to a lot when it comes to like money mindset and our finances, but at at the core of it, we really just have to ask ourselves, how is it possible? And let, let your creative mind, like even start to solve the problem for you. You'll be amazed at what you come up with. Mm. That's, 
I really appreciate you mentioning that, like being able to kind of think outside the box in the way that we view homeschooling. Um, and you're right, you know, like we, a lot of people, when they first start thinking about homeschooling, they think about, you know, nine to three, sitting down, doing these workbooks and, you know, basically like doing school at home. And I can definitely attest homeschooling is not doing school at home. Um, it, it is nothing like doing school at home. It is like doing life with the people that you love the most. That is homeschooling. Um, and you can learn, as we mentioned, you can learn in any way from anything, from anyone. And we also learn fractions <laughs> through baking. That's our favorite way to learn and practice about fractions and measuring and multiplying, you know, like multiplying fractions and all these kinds of things. So um, yeah, there's, there's so much valuable learning that kids do in just sharing life with the adults that are in their lives. And, um, and, you know, even for people who want to do like we personally, we don't have a curriculum at all. Um, we don't use a curriculum at all, but if you do want to do some sort of like formal schooling or whatever, um, you can, you can do that in the evenings or you can do that on a Saturday. Like who says that the official learning part of school has to occur Monday through Friday from nine to three, like nobody, you know? Yes. Um, and it definitely doesn't have to look like that at all. Um, I am curious though, how do you manage running a business while also like working from home with children? How on earth do you do that? Yeah, it's, um, I have said that, um, in high school, things didn't necessarily come easy to me. I learned a lot, a lot of work ethic and time management during those years. It was a part of something that's called color grid. A lot of people haven't heard of that, but they're like the flags and the rifle section of the marching band. Okay. Um, so that like time commitment on there and they have another portion we were 15th in the world, my sophomore year. Like we, we did a lot there and I really had to learn to manage my time. And that's really like how we use that now. Um, so I can give like a brief rundown of how we do our schedule. Yeah. Um, I'm not a morning person. My oldest is, which is great for him, but I'm not a morning person. <laughs> I, we get up, um, at a much more relaxed schedule. So I built in what I call our morning routines. So roughly from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. is when we're doing our morning routine. So that's making sure everybody's getting dressed, eating breakfast, which I do make them get dressed. I know a lot of people will let them leave and stay in pajamas. But I know even for myself, we feel um, more ready for the day. We feel more presentable. Um, it lifts your confidence and all those things. So um, Monday through Friday. Saturday is the day. I don't like they can do whatever. But um, during that time, we're doing all of that, making sure everybody's dressed, um, brushing teeth. I do like my personal development during that time. So um, doing my gratitude, my journaling, reading, Bible study. Um, I also do declarations. A lot of people call those affirmations, but um, I was always, I was taught that we're declaring what we want to have in our life. So they're declarations, but those type of activities, it's not like a specific set in stone. If we like this morning, we all slept in a minute a little bit later. So it wasn't eight to 10. It was more like nine to 11, but that's about a two hour block there that we do. Um, William does know he is allowed to get up now at six 30. If he wakes up, we keep moving the time back. But, um, if he's the first one awake, then he gets to school. He starts on his schoolwork then because, um, he can work without his siblings being involved. Um, but most of the time the five-year-old wakes up around the same time as he does. So they're typically like playing in the morning or, 
um, watching something, something quiet that they're doing, but um, eight to 10 there from, so ideally from 10 to 11, um, William's doing schoolwork. I work on more administrative things in my business. It's like a couple quick tasks that I can get done. Um, just kind of getting them all rolling on some of those things. That's not necessarily like the creative work that I have to do with like creating podcasts, videos, all of those things. So if I'm interrupted, it's not a big deal. Um, and then from 11 to 12, I try and make that the time that I'm helping them with the schoolwork that they need me for. So there's a couple subjects that like, I still work with William on. And then of course, why it's schoolwork, which probably takes 15 minutes total. He's got one workbook that we are going through the, it's like an actual curriculum. And then all of our kids are in um, something called Awanas. So they're learning and memorizing Bible verses. So the three-year-old is in Awanas as well this year, or I guess she's four now, sorry, she's four. Um, but we work on their verses together. And then I'm helping William with either, you know, Spanish, geography, some of those things that he needs my assistance with. Um, and then we try and do lunch about 12 to one-ish or so. The goal is kind of just be wrapped up by one. And then from somewhere between one to two, but really the two to five range is when I will do more creative work. Um, so if I'll do videos or podcasts, either my own or guest appearances, um, it's typically one day a week that I have, um, it's my mom that'll come help and watch with the kids. But other than that, it's on our own. And that's really the schedule Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Um, I do keep a small TV in the room here with me. So if I'm working on something, I'm not actually recording something. If Brooklyn wants to just come spend time with me, she's my youngest, then she can come sit in here and play, or she can watch her show for a little bit. And like, she's still here with me. Um, and I'm able to get work done still as well. Cause I can kind of block that out. Um, Wednesdays, I do not work anymore. Um, we started attending something this year. It's called forest school from Barefoot University. So I don't know if you've heard of that before, but yeah. uh, okay, so we go for like two hours basically every Wednesday and hike through the woods at 11 a.m. So I am not like camera ready for the rest of the day. And <laughs> I've really kind of made that that it's optional if I want to get something done later in the afternoon, but we can run errands. Um, we go to the chiropractor every other week and we drive a little bit to see the one that we like. So like that's Wednesdays, really, I'm not really doing anything. And then I try and set everything up so that Fridays I'm only working maybe an hour or two um, in the morning, just kind of like the, the, the weeks wrapped up if I wanted it to, wanted it to be by 1 p.m. so that we have the rest of the day to kind of do whatever. We can run errands. Um, we took off to go camping a couple weeks ago and it wasn't a big deal because I try and have all my goals for the week finished by Thursday. So Friday is just mm -hmm. kind of like putting the finishing touching touches on things. Um, and we also do a four days school week. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So he gets Friday off as well from his schoolwork. That's awesome. I, I really appreciate you sh taking the time to share your schedule with us. And I, I love that you built in time in your schedule to do the things that are important to you, like doing the nature school, the forest school, um, going to the chiropractor, like things like that. And then also setting a aside, like a day that you all can have off, you know? Yeah. Um, and that is, it is so, so important to do that. And I know, you know, for me personally, like, I feel like 
it's hard to like turn that off. You know, like when I would be working from home, it's hard, it's hard to like have that balance, you know, cause it's like your kids are there. And then even though you're physically there, you're not like fully with them, you know, cause you're doing these other things on the computer. Um, do your, do your kids ever struggle with that of having you like be home, but not be like fully with them either? And if so, how do you handle that? Um, that this is all they've really known. Uh, William doesn't even really remember me having a job anymore. So it's part of like, that's how we've just gotten the use to where things are, but there's a lot of grace, um, in knowing that, you know, I started my business to be here with my kids because I wanted to be present with my family. So I need to make that a priority. So understanding that, you know, if somebody's having an off day and they need some cuddles, like it's fine to take a step back and like cuddle, like things can be rearranged. And all of my coaching clients know that like, if we're in the middle of a call and the kids come in and they are absolutely crashing and it's like nothing that we can do, like, okay, that's it. Like we'll reschedule the call. This one's on me. No problem at all. But like my kids are a priority and we have to be able to be okay. Like they are human. They, they're going to have times like where they have off days as well. And if it's those days, like having that grace and being flexible, like, okay, is it just like cuddling and sitting on the couch and I can kind of like do some administrative type thing with the computer here on the side, maybe something that was put in the back burner that like, isn't going to take like that creative time. But I also think being prepared because I work ahead. So if something happens and I get off this week, like, next week's content's not going to suffer because it's already planned. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Like we we work ahead so that things are ready. Um, and again, if it's something live and life happens and it's not going to happen right now, um, I've done plenty of videos with kids screaming in the background. Like (laughs) first, my first webinar, um, everyone like at the last minute couldn't help me out. And uh, my daughter screamed for about 35 minutes of it. Oh no. I had three people on. It's like my mom, the person that ended up like that she worked for me and then one other person and they were all really super sweet, but I was just like, oh my goodness, like this is just like not working. And I really, reality, I should have just jumped off and like been present and one instead of trying to juggle. But I really think just having that grace and like allowing things to be the where they are, we can't yeah. change the past. We can't predict the future and just staying present you're able to be present where you are. Um, that's also why I started committed to committing to like being done by a certain time and like closing the computer and walking away. Mm. Um, I need to practice that. <laughs> it's a big deal. And I think when my husband started, cause he was, he was gone like two to three weeks at a time. So it was no big yeah. deal for me to keep working. Cause I didn't have like that accountability, like of somebody else walking in because the kids weren't going to care. Like if we ate and then like I went back to work or whatever. And I think yeah. really holding yourself accountable. I think the biggest thing to start off this to like start on this journey. Yeah, there we go. Um, was last January. So January, 2020, um, it was a book that my pastor released um, that like he talked through, but when I read it, I was kind of like, ah, I don't, I don't really know if this is like accurate, but it was talking about taking a day off, taking a day off of rest. Mm. And I was like, okay, fine. Like, I'm kind of the person, like, I'll try it 
almost kind of like to prove you're wrong type thing. <laughs> so the first couple of weeks was really hard. Like I would sit there. I was like, I'm not going to work. This is just my day to do whatever. For us, it was Saturdays. I'm like, I don't care if you brush your teeth. Like hopefully you do, but I am not going to check and see if you brushed your teeth. Um, there's leftovers in the fridge. Like I'm not getting dressed. Like this is my day, like to sit here and watch Netflix or do whatever the heck I want. Um, I play killer Sudoku on my phone. So like getting caught up on that, but the first couple of times it was really hard. And I'd be like thinking, I'm like, Hey, don't think about work. Don't think about work. Like you'd have to keep <laughs> reminding yourself and like struggling yeah. with sitting there, but probably about four weeks into it, I started looking forward to it. So mm-hmm. during the week when things would get tough and like, it would be a lot to going on or I get frustrated it's like, okay, it's fine. Just a couple more days till Saturday. And then I can have like the day to do whatever. So I really strive to take the day off of work, try not to have a whole lot of housework. It's not always possible. Like sometimes we do have to do stuff on the weekends, but really trying to take that step back and taking that day off of rest is really key. Yeah, that is, it's hard. It's really, really, really hard to do. You know, I know in the Bible, they talk about that Sabbath, you know, and, and literally, you know, the people in the Bible, I mean, they wouldn't do it. Like they wouldn't cook, they wouldn't do anything. Um, and they would have to prepare everything the day before so that they could have a full day of rest and really be intentional about preparing to be able to have time that you can rest and relax and kind of recover from everything, you know, all the work that you did during the week. And, you know, especially in this American culture where we're just busy all the time. And, you know, if you live in the Fort Worth area, uh, are you more like close to the city, I guess? Yeah, I'm definitely in the suburbs. I mean, it's kind of all become one big city, <laughs> but yeah, we're in the city. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're in the suburbs too, but the suburbs of a major city, it is, yeah. it's like that, that busyness and that constant rush. And there's, you always have to have something to do and um, when we lived in Georgia, it was not like that at all. You know, like living in Georgia, I, it was like, everything was so slow. And, and I remember when we would first go to like buy groceries at the grocery store and people would try to like talk, you know, they just have these conversations and want to talk about my children and strangers everywhere were just so, it was like, life was, everything was so slow. And, and I was like, come on, let's go. I got to check me out. I got to get back home, you know, whatever. Um, but it is, it's hard to break out of that mindset when all you've been used to is that lifestyle of busyness. And, um, but at the end of the day, it is, it's so important that we can really model that for our children of being able to take time, uh, not just to be together as, as a family, but also being able to take time for ourselves as well and to do the things that we love. Um, and yeah, so thank you for reminding us of, of just the importance of that, of, you know, yes, it is important that we work hard, but it's also important that we can rest hard too, you know, and, and make time to be able to, to rest. Um, and another thing, like I've been really trying hard to do when it comes to work is I try to work after I put my kids to bed. Um, so I've been, putting them to bed. Like my son, he's three. He normally goes to bed like between seven and seven 30. And then my daughter goes to bed usually around eight 30 is when she's like going to bed. Um, but if she goes to bed at eight 30, I'm a night owl. So I will like work from, you know, eight 30 till like midnight or one o'clock in the morning or something like that. And, um, and so I kind of find that as like my sweet spot, you know, <laughs> cause then it's like, okay, they're asleep. I can work and get these things done. And I don't feel you know, bad or guilty that I'm like on my computer when they're like, mommy, let's play, you know? Um, because 
it is, it's challenging, you know, for me to be at home with them when they're awake and they're wanting to play and they're wanting to spend time with me. And I don't want to see them, or I don't want them to see me just always on my computer or feel like I'm, you know, like physically present, but not emotionally present with them, you know? Yeah. I did the work in it after the kids went to bed for a long time. Um, And then I realized I made it not a requirement because when my husband did start coming home, typically he goes to bed earlier because he's up earlier. So if I wanted to go to bed with him, I could. Um, I also use it for me time. So like if I want to just sit and soak my feet in an Epsom salt bath, like I can, but if I want to work, that's fine too. Yeah. I love that. And one of the things that you have been working on is, um, you're about to launch a new podcast. Is that correct? Yeah. It goes live on November 15th. Woohoo. Can you share with us a little bit more about your podcast that we'll be launching soon? Yeah. It's called your money, your life. Um, so little backstory, I've done a video show called money mastery with Amy for right about a year now. I think when the podcast launches, it's going to be like right at a year for money mastery with Amy, which was totally accidental, but really when the opportunity came up for forest school, Wednesdays at 1 PM is when I do money mastery with Amy. If we were going to do forest school, that was not really going to happen anymore. And I loved the idea of a podcast. I really going back to the finances, I really just didn't feel like it was possible. And when I made the decision, like, no, we're going to make this a priority that we're going to be able to do for a school. And I'm going to change like the schedule to fit things like where they are and really look at the possibilities. The podcast was possible. So I'm really excited um, about it launching. So what's it about? What it is about is I help women to ditch financial stress and struggle for good. So we talk real authentic principles that actually work. Um, We'll go through basically the four areas of finances. So defense, which is making the most of the money you already have. Offense, which is increasing your income. The battlefield, which is money mindset, economics, rules of the game, and what I call profit power-ups. So those are the other areas of your life that as you improve them, your finances improve as well. So like your health, your relationships, your productivity, all these things play into your finances and being a well-rounded individual, because we all know people who make really great money, but like don't have the relationship pieces. And we can make no money and have great relationships. And we're looking for the balance of being where money is a tool, we're using it to serve us and really being fulfilled, creating the impact that we want to do, spending the time with our family that we want to spend and really creating financial security. Mm. I know we briefly talked about our, my couple medical crises there, but really being prepared because I think if we've learned nothing else over the last almost two years now, it's not if something is going to happen. It's when something is going to happen. So taking care of your finances in a way that you have the peace and confidence to know that you can provide for your family when that time comes. Hmm. And you've mentioned money mindset multiple times throughout our conversation. Um, and, and I'm just curious, what do you mean when you say money mindset? Like what is your money mindset? Your money mindset is your thoughts, feelings, and actions around money. 
So we all have a money mindset. We all have money mindset blocks. So things that are keeping us from being able to achieve this relationship with money that we want to have. Um, it happens through a couple of different ways. I think I briefly mentioned earlier that it's programmed by the age of nine. So things that we saw our parents doing growing up, things that we saw our parents saying growing up, um, specific incidences that happened. Um, and there's also like visualization can form into your money mindset. So if growing up, there wasn't a lot of money and you were constantly told like, we can't afford that and we can't do that. And, um, we don't have money for that or money doesn't grow on trees. There's a whole list of things that like we create these ideas around money and that's what becomes our money mindset. The key though, is it doesn't have to be true. We just have to perceive it as true. Hmm. So what is your personal money mindset now that you've done all this work around finances and your relationship to money? Yeah. So there's, it's not like necessarily like a one statement thing that we can do. It's definitely more of like an ongoing process. Um, I'm definitely open. I can share one of the main money mindset obstacles that I've had and that I created because I think it'll definitely help people. So, um, with Wyatt, my middle son, when he was in the NICU, I mentioned that at the, I think I mentioned at that time, my business wasn't really producing an income. So even though it was really important at that time that I was there and present, I was there at the hospital the whole time. I left to take care of myself and to see my oldest son, but I was able to be there with him. But since I was not able to contribute financially, I mean, we, we were okay. Um, about six months before that, we had a business deal that went bad. Um, the hus- my husband is, like I said, he's a truck driver. So we owned a truck and we're contracted with somebody. They essentially got mad, broke the contract. It didn't matter. That was a breach of contract. And we were suddenly entitled to all this money. They had to have had that money for us to do any good, to do anything about it. So we went to zero income then, and then took a 50% income cut. So we were managing, it was a little tight, but we were managing. But since I wasn't able to financially contribute at that time in a monetary way, I felt that I had failed my family. Hmm. Now, was that actually true? No, I was there like in person to be able to be there intentionally with my family. I handled all the finances so that we had gotten to the point that we could be and all these other ways that I had contributed, but it didn't matter. The way that I felt was that I failed my family. Hmm. So then fast forward, how old is he now? Five, five years later, um, we'll use this example. So things would come up and things would happen that subconsciously it felt like it was that Time frame again when I quote unquote fail my family. So what happens is, um, for example, the freeze. So the freeze in Texas back in February, we had that crazy freeze. So we were fine, like no power outages, nothing. We live like half a block from a fire station. So um, part of what I teach is like keeping enough food on hand. There, there was no issue there at all. We were perfectly fine. But I started to wonder. There was one day in particular, like if we were going to be okay. And like, if my family was taken care of and I had the thought that I was failing my family, even though like I wasn't instantly, my subconscious mind, um, tries to protect me from in the past. And it remembers like, okay, this was bad. We didn't like this. We don't want this to happen again. So 
instantly, even though it was five years later, I was transported back and I felt all of those same feelings. And I feel like I was failing my family all over again when nothing was actually going on. Like we were perfectly fine. <laughs> my husband's like, what is going on? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just crying. <laughs> <laughs> And because I've done this work, I was able to identify that, okay, okay, this is what's actually going on. So we have a three-step process that we talk about um, when I, when we go through what we call breakdowns like these. So the first thing we'll ask is like, what is actually going on? So tell me what's going on with that emotion. It's like, we have electricity, we have food, all of my family's here. Like there is really cold outside, but like, we're fine. So then what happened in the past? So we talked about, then I'll say in the past, like I was not financially providing when Wyatt was in the hospital and we hit this financial crisis. So is the third question is, is what's going on right now? What happened in the past? Mm. And there's a lot of times when my coach taught me this exercise, I'd fought him and I'm like, yeah, it is. It's the exact same. Like I wanted to be right. Like this is what's going on. I should be able to be upset about this. In reality, no. It's not, it's not the same. And we've simply created a link between what's happened in the past and projecting it into now. It doesn't always have to be this super like traumatizing thing. There can be, um, other stuff growing up. I was spanked as a child. And I remembered this one instance, um, with my father, we had gotten in a disagreement when my parents were still married. And I remembered getting a spanking, like getting a bad isn't the right word. Hard spanking, maybe. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll go with that hard spanking. And I was working through this mindset work and I was like, okay, this is where I kept feeling like I wasn't heard. And that was where it went back to. So I went back to my mom. Cause we have a really close conversation now it was like, okay, this is what I remember. Like, just, I'm trying to get some context here. Like what actually happened? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about, Amy. Like if that happened, I would have been aware of that because they were both very like on board, having conversations, open conversations, all of that. She's like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Hmm. So what we've figured out is what happened is we got in a verbal disagreement and I felt that my opinion wasn't being heard and I felt like I was being shut down. Now, if that was actually true, we don't know because again, it's just how I perceive things. So I perceived that beaten and turned it into like I had gotten spanked when it was just a verbal discussion and I felt like I wasn't hurt. Hmm. So these crazy small little things all can add up and we create these perceptions around them that aren't necessarily true. Mm -hmm. They don't ever actually go away. It's just how we handle them and being aware that, okay, I'm struggling with spending money because when I was growing up, I saw that we never had enough money. So then I want to hold on to it and I don't want to let go hmm. type example. Yeah. And it, it really is incredible to think about, you know, just the way that our relationships were with money as children and how that impacts who we are today and our relationship to money now. Um, and I know a lot of people probably haven't even really taken the time to consider that. Like every single person has a relationship with money. Um, and it is, it's important for us to reflect on what our relationship with money is. Um, because exactly what you mentioned, like we pass along those perceptions that aren't even reality. Sometimes, um, it literally is just our 
interpretation of reality and we pass those on to our children and that has an impact on who they are and um, how they will interact with money as children and then as well as adults so it is really important that we can model this work of having a healthy relationship to money um, and I'm really excited to have been able to connect with you that you're a financial coach and that you're able to provide um, that coaching for people that are looking to have a healthier relationship to money and to their finances. Um, we've talked about your podcast. Uh, what are some other services that you might be able to provide for my listeners? In addition to your 45 things, yeah, that, the 45, ideas. 45 experiences. Yes, we've got that. We've got the podcast that's going to be launching soon. How else can you help and support my listeners? Well, we talked a lot about money mindset today. So I think this will actually be really fitting. So I have what is called the money mindset mastery checklist. So what I did is I took the 10 most common things that working with clients and helping people that we've seen come up. So the 10 most common things that you need to work on to be able to create an unshakable money mindset, because within that money mindset, that's where we see the biggest breakthroughs happen because it's not the tangible part. We can't physically touch our money mindset. So we don't necessarily think about it. So it's 10 simple steps to create an unshakable money mindset. So we can definitely share the link for that. Um, and then did you also mention that you have a YouTube also or... Yeah, I'm on YouTube and Instagram are my two primary places. And then of course you can check out my website. Uh, that's amycircuit.com. It's really simple. I know we'll add all the links in, but I'm on Facebook too. I just, I like hanging out on Instagram more so you can find <laughs> me on Facebook, but just check me out on Instagram. <laughs> okay, great. And as um, Amy mentioned, I will make sure that I include all of those links for you all in the description of this podcast. Um, or if you're watching this on YouTube, it will be in the description. So make sure that you check out um, all the links that are in the description so that you can connect with Amy and um, hopefully she can continue to support you in your journey as you're learning um, about your own money mindset and hopefully experiencing some freedom from the past and um, creating something new for the future for you and your kids. So thank you so much, Amy. And if you had one piece of advice that you would like to share with my listeners before um, we kind of sign off for today, what piece of advice would you like to share with them? And that could be about homeschooling, parenting, entrepreneurship, finances, whatever, whatever we've talked about a lot today. Uh, if you could share one piece of advice that you would like to leave our listeners with, what would it be? I think it's going to go back to the grace and learning to have grace with yourself. Um, especially those of us who are looking to achieve more and wanting to do more, um, the recovering perfectionist, all of those things. When we learn to have grace with ourselves, we're able to really live in the present. And I know if you're listening and you're watching, like your kids are your, are a priority for you because like, that's, the, that's just the way it is. And if we can learn how to be present in the moment and have grace with ourselves, I think everything begins to change. So just really be okay with where you're at right now. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that, Amy. And thank you so much for just sharing your time and your heart with us on today's episode. This was so wonderful to be able to connect with you and hear a little about your homeschooling journey and um, your journey, not just as a mom, but as an entrepreneur and as a financial coach. And thank you for sharing your 
wisdom with us about finances and how we can teach those, you know, healthy habits with our children as well. Um, this has been an absolutely amazing episode. And I hope that um, to all my listeners, thank you for joining us too. I hope that this episode has been as much of a blessing for each of you as it has been for me. Um, and as I mentioned, I will make sure that I put all these links that Amy mentioned into the description. So please check those out. Um, also remember that there are new episodes of the Peaceful World Schooling podcast that are released every single Tuesday. So make sure that you subscribe so you will not miss out on a single one. Um, if you would like to continue supporting me and my work as well, Please share this episode with your family and friends and also consider donating at the links below in the description. Um, I hope that your day is as wonderful as you are and I will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Join us next Tuesday on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Harders, and I hope that your day is as wonderful as you are. If you like this video, please make sure you subscribe and click the bell so you will not miss out on a single episode.